Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. Good morning, C2 Church. How are we doing today? I'm glad you're with us. Glad you're doing, doing well. I'm excited that it's Easter. I'm excited for our annual Easter offering uh, that we'll be doing later and, and uh, what God's doing through us in El Salvador. So we're continuing our series called Mic Drop. If you haven't been with us uh, through this series, you can get it online at c2church.com. On the media page, you can see the podcast. It's also online and on Facebook and our live stream this morning. I want to welcome our live stream audience as, as you watch in. It's Easter. I don't know what that means for some of you. You're really serious this morning. Like, you're all buttoned up. I had to tell service, at first service, like halfway through, like, it's Easter, but it's still okay to laugh. And I'm funny on Easter, so, all right, maybe not. Give me a chance. All right, so, so I grew up in a pastor's home, so Easter, you know, was, was a regular deal for us, and uh, uh, my grandmother calls it Resurrection Day, which I really, I kind of like that, right? It, it, gives, it gives it more meaning, at least for me, in that sense, and uh, and so every, every Easter Sunday, we get all buttoned up, just like some of you are today. You put on your finest, right? Um, and that's okay. I, I love it. I love those who show up in T-shirt. I love those who, who show up in shirt and ties. I tucked my shirt in today at the advice of my wife. So thank you. You can clap for that. That's cool. But I, I think through Easter Sunday every year, I go through the same thing. I like think about this story that many of you have probably heard lots of times. And maybe for some of you, this is like your first time in church. Maybe you just have the cultural reference of, of what Easter is. Well, today we're, we're going to talk about the mic drops that Jesus makes. You know what a mic drop is? Like someone says a bold declarative statement that nothing else can follow, and so they drop the mic. Sorry, Dylan's our sound guy. He cringes every time I do that. Is this supposed to have that rattle? Pretty... Pretty sure it's broken. <laughs> so sometimes I find the Bible confusing. Jesus makes these statements that either I don't really understand or that are just confusing, or, or they're just things that I don't really want to live out. I don't want to believe that he really means them the way he said them. And so we've been journeying through that over the last few weeks. Again, you know, catch up on the, on the podcast. I, I think you'll find some of them in, interesting. But I think Christians... They take that mic drop really seriously, right? You do. I mean, I'm, I'm watching you Christians worship this morning. You, like, take this whole Jesus rose from the dead thing like, like it was legit. Yeah. So if you're, if you're not a Christian and you're sitting with us this morning, we're glad you're with us. I hope you, you join in the conversation as we have it this morning. But as I'm, I'm listening to the songs this morning, I'm like, man. Christianity really takes this thing seriously. And, and if you listen to us talk as Christians, we have like our own language, like code. Yeah, we do. Like we believe in the reality of what we're talking about. We, t- we, we believe in this reality, or at least we talk like we believe in the reality of forgiveness and freedom. That there's a real thing behind the skin of this world going on. And I believe it to be so. I think many of you, 
You know what I like about Easter? It's almost like the energy just goes up for some reason. You know, we gather every Sunday to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. I'm not sure if you knew that before, but we do that every Sunday. Easter is just like that amped up. I'm with Caleb. I think it's the sugar. Um, I had six cups of coffee before I came in this morning, so I'm ready to go. But it's a statement that I believe he is risen. He is risen indeed. So this year I asked myself this question. So what? <laughs> Some of you are like, okay, it's time to leave now. <laughs> it's like the night, not the normal. Someone said to me between services, that's not the normal Easter message. <laughs> well, I'm not normal, so we're good. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you already have that thought. So what? Maybe someone dragged you here. You're just here because mom is going to make free lunch, aren't you? (laughs) If you came. So thank you for coming. I hope you enjoy your lunch. But maybe just for the next few moments, let's unpack that so what. So what that this guy named Jesus died and so what that he rose again. Jesus made some pretty bold statements. We're going we're gonna to look at three of those statements this morning. But I want to talk about this so what. Because if you read the Bible, there's a moment in there that I was reading this last week. To me, it is that so what moment. In John chapter 21, we'll, where we'll be this morning, and you can open up your Bible or, or turn on your Bible. It'll be on the screens as well. John chapter 21, Jesus has already risen from the dead, right? He's... He's been betrayed by his friends. He's been arrested, falsely accused. This innocent man now is being basically charged with a capital crime, but he's done nothing worthy of death, yet he is going to be executed the Roman way, public execution by crucifixion, where he will slowly bleed, but what ultimately will kill him is suffocation. He will die a torturous death. To say that he was abused is to put it nicely. He was tortured before they put him on that cross. Then he was publicly buried in a public grave, and then he rose again. At least that's what they claim. There's this so what moment in John chapter 21. If you haven't read it, it kind of is set up this way. In John chapter 20, the resurrected Jesus appears to his closest followers, and the scripture records up to 500 people saw him publicly. But he appears to them two times. Now in John chapter 21, he appears to them the third time. And here's what the Bible records for us. In John chapter 21, verse 21, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, and two other disciples were together. So there's seven of them. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. It's kind of the so what moment in the Bible, I think. They went fishing. Doesn't seem very significant. But I kind of like this. You got seven dudes. One guy says, anybody want to go fishing? And they're like, yeah, we got nothing else to do. And maybe they were hungry. I mean, they had to feed their families, feed themselves. So I will give them that there, there was probably some need in this moment, as well as maybe they just didn't know what to do. 
They'd already seen him twice. They'd already seen Jesus twice. They had locked themselves behind closed doors because they were fearful that the religious ruling class uh, leaders would come and find them and arrest them as well. And he appears to them, but Thomas isn't there. Now, Thomas is in this boat. You ever heard of doubting Thomas? You ever been called a doubting Thomas? That comes from Scripture. Thomas was the one who didn't see Jesus the first time, but was there the second time behind closed doors. And Thomas is the guy who says to the other disciples, I'll believe it when I see it. Thomas is that friend. You have this friend? There's a line that you just don't think you should like go up against or cross. Thomas is that dude who steps right on the line. I'll believe it when I can put my, hands in the, uh, my, my fingers in the holes in his hands and feet and, and the wound in his side. I love Thomas. That's my kind of guy. Like some of you are like, ew, put your fingers in. The, really? I'm that guy. Maybe you're that doubter too. It's not so much doubt as I want to be certain of what I'm placing my faith in. And Thomas is like, if I can touch Jesus on his wounds, I'll believe. Anybody else like that? I'm sure this room is full of people like that. Some of you are good Christians. You're like, no, I just believe. I'm, that's good for you. I'm glad. But I'm Thomas. I'm the dude who's like, I'll, if I can stick my finger there, yeah, it's good. And Jesus has appeared to them. In fact, they know he's real for this reason. Not only did Thomas get to touch him, but he ate with them. And he says, Jesus' own words are this I'm not a ghost. That's important to know, that Jesus is not a ghost. He didn't appear in some sort of spirit form. He ate with them. If he was a ghost and he ate something, it would fall to the ground. It would just hit the, because he, there's no, you get it? Like he would eat and it would just, nothing. It would just hit the ground. But he's not a ghost. He eats it, digests it, you know. I'm sure it went somewhere. But. So these guys go fishing. Why is that significant? They're fishermen. It actually really isn't that significant. Other than this, three years prior to this, they had left everything, all of their fishing equipment, their boats, the, the, the lifestyle, everything. They left it to follow this rabbi, this teacher named Jesus. I'm not even sure where they got the boat because they, you know, they gave it up. Someone's missing a boat. I'm check on that. They went back to familiar because I don't think they knew what to do. They'd seen Jesus resurrected, and now what? So what? What do we do with that? Some of you in this room who, who may not believe in Jesus yet, maybe that's where you're at. Like you've heard the stories, but what do I do with it? What do I do with a resurrected Jesus? What does that mean? How does that affect my life? Perhaps, like some of you call yourself Christians, maybe they felt the shame and the guilt of having left him and betrayed Jesus. Maybe they weren't good enough anymore. Maybe that they just thought, well, I just need to go back to fishing because I'm no good for anything else at this point. So here's what happens, starting in verse 4. 
Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you caught any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. I mean, these guys are professional fishermen, right? And they catch nothing. Diddly squat. Nothing. Right? They don't catch a thing. They don't even recognize Jesus. Now, it's important here to understand, in the Gospel of John, John uses a lot of imagery and, and symbolism. And so as you read through his Gospel, which I encourage you to do, you'll find that when he's referencing night and, and darkness, he's talking about hopelessness. There's a reference there to something more. And that in, when he says early in the morning, he's referencing light, that the dawn has come, a new period has begun. Darkness has turned into light. It's the promise of hope. And here's Jesus standing on the shore, unrecognized by his closest followers. I got to say, sometimes I'm that guy, even though I say I know Jesus, I fail to recognize him calling my name and calling out to me sometimes. Maybe some of you feel like that, feel far away. Maybe it's Jesus has actually been calling you and you're not here by accident. What if Jesus meant for you to be here this morning? What if he's the voice calling out to you? Listen to what he says to these men in this so what moment. He says friends, which actually translated as children. It's like an intimate term that that parents might use with their son or their daughter. He says, friends, have you any fish? I'm pretty sure at this point Jesus is messing with them. They haven't caught anything. And if I'm the disciples in the boat and I hear this stranger from shore yelling, hey, have you caught any fish? Is this guy trying to be funny? If we had caught fish, we wouldn't still be out here. Shut it. Right? I mean, that would be my response. You can't read into text messages, and I don't know if I can read emotion into the Bible, but I think their no is like frustration and anger. No! Jerk. (laughs) Right? Here they are fishing all night. Now, they fished at night because they didn't have the see-through nylon uh, fishing stuff that we have nowadays. They fished at night so the fish wouldn't see the nets. So it's, it's not that they're fishing in an awkward time. They're fishing at the perfect time. And this stranger from shore is going to offer them advice. It almost seems to see, seem just to say that Jesus is saying to them, what you're doing is not working. You don't say. You ever been there? Can I ask you, is what you're doing in your life working for you? And maybe it is. Maybe without Jesus, you're doing just fine. You got all the answers. Life is going the way you planned it. You're satisfied. There's no soul longing. 
But I think there's a soul longing, at least for me, and maybe for some of you, that what I was doing in my life just wasn't working. And, and can I say as a pastor, I get to observe firsthand how life is not working for some people. I get to serve as a chaplain for the police department, and I get to see up close and personal the ways people try to deal with life, and it's not working. And yet we try harder and harder and do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, right? We just keep doing, well, if I just work harder, if I just do this better, if I... But all we seem to find in this life is that the addiction gets stronger and my life gets worse. Can I ask you, is what you're doing working? And if it's not, can can I just propose that maybe Jesus could be the answer to the very thing you're longing for? I I swear there's something deep inside of all of us that, that longs to be satisfied, that this world cannot satisfy and I'm posing the question that maybe it's because it's not because nothing in this world can satisfy. That there's something from a different realm that actually was meant to satisfy that. Understand in this moment, if you read the rest of the Gospels, middle of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we call the, the beginning of the New Testament. If you read through them, you could just scan through them this afternoon. There's not an instant where the disciples, who are professional fishermen, right? There's not an instance in there where they catch fish without the assistance of Jesus. In fact, they've been in this very position before. When Jesus first called them to be his disciples, they had this very same experience. Jesus is messing with them. He's getting their attention. Y'all have that one friend, like, in your profession, like, you know your profession, right? You got that one friend who, they're not in your profession, but they want to give you advice. You got that friend? You know they want to tell you how to do your job? Jesus is that guy right now. He's a carpenter. Y'all don't find that funny? This is how my brain works. I find funny things in life. Jesus is a carpenter. He's standing on the shore and he's yelling to the professional fishermen, hey, maybe you should try the other side of the boat. (laughs) That six feet might make difference. It's how my brain works. I'm just saying it might. But for whatever reason, these guys are willing to listen to this stranger, perhaps because at this point they're desperate probably hungry. And so I ask you again, is what you're doing working? Perhaps this morning you'd be willing to cast your net on the other side. Try something different because I think if you take the faith to do that, Jesus might surprise you. Because it says they caught an unbelievable catch of fish. And their needs were met in a miraculous way. They tried Jesus and look how it turned out. Maybe you in this room Maybe you've tried church. I've tried that church thing. I didn't like it. They were mean. They were judgmental. I wore the wrong thing. I didn't tuck my shirt in. Can I tell you none of that matters? I mean, Jesus loves that you look spiffy this morning. I'm sure he does. But in the end, it doesn't matter. You don't get to heaven and Jesus goes, you didn't dress up for church. I'm sorry. This is only for people with ties and dresses. 
just I don't see that conversation happening. If you've tried church, can I maybe have you throw the net on the other side? Try Jesus. Christians are imperfect, and sometimes the God we portray is not the God that really we serve. And sometimes the, the God that's been presented to me, the God of Jesus, is presented in such a way that I'm like, yeah, I reject that too. I don't want any part of that. But if you crack open Scripture, you know, we're imperfect people. We, we don't represent a perfect God well sometimes. Would you try Jesus? And, and maybe you're a Christian who says, man, I'm just not good enough. And you live with that feeling. I mean, what does it mean? I've heard Christians say this all the time. I'm a Christian. I'm not a very good Christian. I mean, what's that even mean? What's a very good Christian look like? The guy up on stage? Well, I did tuck my shirt in this morning, so. I mean, sometimes we, we dress up because we want to hide the imperfections of our life, and we want to come into this community and pretend like we don't have any problems. But I know y'all have problems. What does it mean to be a, a good Christian? How do you measure up to an infinitely perfect and holy God? I don't know that you can. I don't think there's levels of very good. We're all imperfect and not very good ever. God is infinitely good and holy. We can never measure up. I mean, I could try to reach Pluto, which I say is a plant, by the way. Forget y'all. not a planet. I'm going to start a movement. (laughs) I could get on my tiptoes. I could get a ladder. I could do a lot of things, but I am not going to be able to simply reach and touch Pluto no matter how much I try. It would take a lot of work, money, and time to ever make it there. It's the same thing trying to reach God in your own goodness, your own righteousness. This can come to shock to some of you, but I haven't always been this tall, well-built, and good-looking. I, it's, I know, shocking. There, when I was a freshman in high school, I, I started the ninth grade, at, I was like five foot three or four. It's not tall, by the way. Are you defending me? My wife is defending me. You're five four. I'm sorry, my wife's five four. I, I don't even think I was that tall when I started high school. You ever go to uh, the, the amusement parks and they got, they got that line that you got to be tall enough to ride the rides? I was like inching up in high school trying to reach that line. But before that, you know how I got to ride the rides? Because I didn't measure up. It took a long time to get there. I didn't measure up because I wasn't tall enough. So how in the world did I get to ride the rides? My dad measured up. And if, you, if your dad measured up, you could ride the rides with him. I, I didn't measure up. Some of you all need to understand that because of Jesus, you don't measure up, but you get to ride the ride. Jesus measures up for you. So quit trying. It's called Grace. And like the disciples, I don't think they knew what to do with Jesus and his grace. And here he is appearing to them again. 
And I think there are three statements we want to close with today to consider these mic drop moments. Some of you are like, whoa, he's still talking. His first mic drop statement, bold declaration, I'm going to die and then I'm going to be raised to life again. Talk about a mic drop. I mean, he said it at least three times, if not more, throughout the Gospels. One time he said it kind of figuratively. He said, you tear down this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. They thought he was talking about the actual temple, a building. Now he's figuratively talking about himself. But then there's times in Matthew chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 20 that records Jesus telling his disciples plainly, it is for the Christ, the Messiah, to suffer, to die, and then to be raised on the third day. What's confusing about that? But they didn't get it. He was claiming to be God in flesh, son of God, not a good teacher. Maybe you're sitting in this room and and you're one of those people who subscribes to the idea that Jesus was a good teacher, he's a prophet, he was a good man. But if you read the gospels, he doesn't claim any of those things. He claims to be the son of God. He claims to be deity. He doesn't claim any of those things. So you can't really say, well, he's a good teacher and he taught good things. He claimed to be the son of God. He's either crazy or he's God, one of the two. He can't be something in between. The disciples didn't get it. I, have, I, I think they had what I call a, a believing disbelief, right? They had a, a functioning dysfunction. They, they were okay with Jesus. They just didn't know what to do with him, and it was too hard sometimes to live it out. But that's where grace comes in. The second statement Jesus makes, and I believe is one of the bold mic drop statements he makes, he declares on the cross, one of the last things he says on the cross is, it is finished. It is finished. What does that mean? Does it just mean he's done? Like I'm about to die and forget it? No, he's saying all that needed to be done is now done. A better translation is it is consummated or it is accomplished. So everything that needed to be accomplished in the spiritual realm for you and for me to pay the price for our sin, God paid himself by sending himself as Jesus to pay the debt you and I owed. It was finished. Nothing else to measure up to. You could not save yourself. It was not the ending. It was the beginning. As he declared, it was finished. This is the gospel in a nutshell, that Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. He suffered in our place, and then he died to pay our sin debts. He measured The last mic drop statement Jesus makes is he says this, all who believe in me will have new life that lasts forever. Man, a word of promise. Word of promise. Show that meme. That next one. Could you just maybe Twitter, Facebook, Yolt? Because Yolt, I think, is more accurate for those who believe in Jesus. Yolt. Some of you are looking at me. 
Will you explain to the person next to you what YOLO means? You only live once. All right, it's an acronym. But I think YOLT is better for those who believe in Jesus. You only live twice. What? All right. Can we show those other memes? I totally forgot. What's the first one? Yeah. Nah, bro. I'm coming back. Right. That was the meme for the first one. I'm going to die and come back to life. And for it was finished. I forgot this. I got this. Seriously. I got you, bro. It's good to laugh in church, isn't it? It's okay. I got this. You know what it means? Yolt, you only live twice. That's what it means. If Jesus actually rose again, it means that he was the son of God. There's assurance for forgiveness. There is a living and ruling king above this whole world and physical death is not the end. Listen. Jesus physically and publicly died. Then he was publicly buried in a public place. Then he publicly appeared to a bunch of people. And then those people publicly began to declare that he was alive in the very place they could have proved that he wasn't. They could have gone right to the grave and said, nah, he dead. Ain't nobody got time for that. But they couldn't because nobody was in there. The tomb was empty. In fact, for 200 years, they were trying to cover it up. Who likes a good cover up? They kept saying that the disciples took the body to make these great claims. You know what that means? The tomb was empty because they had to create a story to cover that up, but it wouldn't stick. You would think in the very place that Jesus did all of his ministry, he publicly died, was publicly buried. You think it would just have been squashed because people would say, nah, but it didn't. And then those people who saw him moved past the so what moment and took that message all around the world. It exploded out of their very place. It should have been squashed. It's crazy. It shouldn't have happened that way, but it did. Why? Because I think it's true. Change that. I know it's true. And because Jesus raised from the dead, he can raise not only a physical body, from the dead past this life, but he can raise your spiritual life from the dead right now. See, that's the promise for you and for me. This whole talk about sin is how bad you are. It's not how bad you are, it's how dead you are. Because that's what sin does, it makes you dead, but Jesus brings you back to life. That's the promise. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Listen, new is the promise. That's what scripture says. Not better or improved, but new. I like new. (laughs) Not a better you, a new you. What you were always meant to be. So let me ask you one more time. So what? So what? What does it matter? What will you do with Jesus? Or you can go back fishing right after this. I love fishing. You can go back to familiar. You can go back to and leave it. If you don't believe in Jesus, you can walk out today and never be changed by it. Maybe you are a Christian and you say you believe, but you can walk out and still not let it affect you. 
maybe today you'll ask yourself, so what? And you'll let it affect you. You'll take that leap, take that next step. You know why I believe? Because it changed me. And I look around this room and I, I see the people's lives that it has changed. You were caught up in addiction. I know your story. And now you're free because of Jesus. You were hopeless, but you found Jesus. Or better said, Jesus found you. You were hurting, and Jesus came into the darkness of your empty, hurting soul, and he rescued you. What about you? What do you do with Jesus today? Church, would you just close your eyes in this holy moment? Will you walk out today not being changed? Perhaps there was something going on in your heart and your mind today. Maybe you'll throw your net on the other side. In this holy moment, like we do nearly every week, I ask one simple question. Would you be willing to take that step to invite Jesus into your life? The living God, Jesus. Invite him into your life in a spiritual way that affects the way you live and think. As you begin to follow his ways, I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm simply asking you to take that leap of faith to trust Jesus with your life. Believe that what he did, live a perfect life, suffer in your place and died to pay your sin debt and come back to life to give you new life is real. As real as the bread and juice we drank this morning. That's you. In just a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three, and we're just going to do it. We're just going to raise our hand. I'm not going to point you out or embarrass you, but we're just going to pray with you. And all the believers in the room, people who have already made this step, are going to pray with you and confirm that through prayer this morning. So if that's you this morning, and you're saying, I want to, Pastor Jeremy, I want to trust Jesus with my life for the first time, all over this room, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Would you raise your hand up high? Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand right here in the middle. I see you too. Anybody else over here? I see you way over here. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I see you too. What about over here? On my left, your right. I see you, ma'am. You can put your hand in. I see you all the way in the back, ma'am. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see you over here. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand right here in the middle. Anybody else? Anybody else? And church, would you pray out loud with all those who raised their hands this morning? I see that hand. Thank you. Pray out loud with me these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to live the perfect life that I could not live, to suffer in my place and die to pay my sin debt. Thank you that he rose again to bring me forgiveness and freedom and a new life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.